The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. We're continuing in our series, uh, working our way through the book of Romans, working our way verse by verse, passage by passage. And uh, we left off in verse 25 last week. We pick up in verse 26 now. But as you're uh, going there, let me just ask a question. Who in here wants to play some keys? You know how to play? Anyone want to learn how to play the keyboard? What key was that? Anyone know? Sort of uh, advertisement for joining the worship team or anything. Although if you have a musical skill and you want to learn, uh, then uh, see us and we'd love to talk with you about that. But I just ask, uh, who, anybody interested? Anyone want to learn to play the keys? Maybe? Uh, if I raise my hand, am I going to be signed up? No, okay. There we go. Jackson wants to learn to play the keys. Um, I took lessons for a long time, 10 years to be exact. Started when I was eight and uh, had to take lessons every week all the way to the week I graduated high school. Got my diploma. Guess what I did the week after high school? Not go to... <laughs> there we go. It's firing up. Hold the phone. Your battery's in. Rookie mistake. All right. Push them down in. Here's where I'm going with that. If you wanted to learn the piano and you didn't know how, where would you start? You start by taking lessons, right? Learning the notes and learning from somebody who knew how to play. You would learn from somebody who uh, put in the practice, who had borne the, the burden of those lessons, and then you would listen to them and imitate them and read the notes, and then you would continue practicing until you became proficient. You would learn and you would grow. And these same principles, it's just one example, but these things are true in our life as, just as, as human beings. You received an assignment from your boss at work and you didn't know how to complete it, you would uh, find out from somebody who did do it and learn and then uh, continue to practice until you gain some proficiency in it. If you find yourself stuck in something in life, what would you do? You would turn to somebody for help. You would learn the way that they walked through it and you would uh, continue to walk that out until you gain some proficiency. And Spiritually speaking, these things are true as well as we grow in our uh, spiritual walk with the Lord. You know, we've been uh, plugging away in this in, in uh, Romans 8 now for several weeks in the greatest chapter, these greatest truths that we're no longer condemned in our sin, that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and we're adopted into God's family and that we hope uh, for heaven and we await it with patience and with groaning here. But what do we do in the moments when we don't know what to do? Where we believe these truths we, we understand that we are in God's family, but in those moments where we don't know what to do, how do we pray ourselves forward? How do we get ourselves unstuck, spiritually speaking, when the waiting and the groaning and the hoping is hard? Maybe God's will for your life is confusing, or it's unclear, or maybe it's crystal clear, but the cup is so bitter. 
It's to these moments when we don't know what to do, when we don't know how to pray ourselves forward, that Romans 8, 26, and 27 speak. They're an application and a comfort of the truths that we have been basking in for weeks and weeks. And so look at your Bible now. I'm just going to read them. We're only taking two verses today, but I want to read them for us to set the table, and we'll go from there. God's Word says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is God's word for God's people. And here's... Here's what's at the bottom of these verses. Two very simple verses, but here's what the Spirit, interesting about the Spirit, here's what the Spirit intends for us to take away. At the center of here, write it down. It's in your notes. It's on the screen here. But the Holy Spirit prays sympathetically and specifically for us. If you want to know what's at the center of you and write it in the margins of your Bible, you can write this down so you don't forget it. The Holy Spirit prays sympathetically and specifically for us. And church, note this. This is the game changer in our prayers. This is the game changer in our walk with Christ. This is the game changer when those groanings and the waiting is so hard. For when help is needed, when you're in the family, when you don't know what to do or you're stuck or you're facing uh, trouble, whom do you want in the family next to you? I want the Holy Spirit. It's at those times when, when family members come running. And here's the thing, y'all. We have powerful family members. This makes all the difference. And so the Spirit is praying this way for us. But what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves in these moments when we don't know what to pray? Well, here's our first point from the first verse, verse 26, and it is this. You can write it down. Keep praying because the Holy Spirit is praying with you. That's right. When you don't know what to pray and when you don't know what to do, just keep praying because the Holy Spirit is praying with you. Look at verse 26, and let's just take it a, a phrase at a time here. He says, he begins the verse by saying, likewise. Likewise is connecting us to the previous point, to the truths we saw last week where we are waiting and groaning and hoping for glory. And who in those passages were groaning last week, or in those verses rather, last week? Who was doing the groaning? Do you remember if you were here? Creation and us, right? God's people. We are the ones groaning. We're waiting. We're hoping for glory. And in the meantime, we're persevering through this where we have resolved that, you know what? What is to come and what God has promised to us in heaven far outweighs. It is much greater than the severity of suffering now where this light momentary affliction does not get the last word. And so in the same way, God knows what we are walking through, and so he helps us in our problem. He identifies here that we do have a problem, and it is that we are weak. You see it in our weakness. Our weakness, we, what are we? We're humans. We're finite. We're limited in our understanding. We can't see the end from the beginning. We don't always know where to go. And in this weakness, we don't always know how to pray. How to pray for the will of God. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you find yourself in a difficulty and you're like, God, what is your will in this? Is it prayers for endurance? Is it prayers for, to, for escape? What do we pray? It's in those moments 
where you're in the cons consultation room with the doctor and you can't believe the words that are coming out of the doctor's mouth. You think, I'm far too young for this. I'm way too healthy. I, I, I cannot believe it. Maybe you're on the other side of it and you've been in remission for years. You thought this was in your rearview mirror and now the doctor is saying it's returned. Or you're having to make a decision for somebody else. Pull the plug. Continue to hold on. What do we pray for in those moments? God, would you heal them? God, would you uh, take them to your side? What, what do you pray in those moments? Maybe in the, your job. Your job has just become so stressful. Or your boss is asking you do, to do things that you never agreed to, that you have no training in, you have no background in, and he's demanding them. You have difficult coworkers. Everybody's stressed. Everybody's hate in their life. It's long hours. What do you pray there? God, get me out of here. Give me a new job. Help me to endure. Do, do, do I need to start looking? Maybe you're in a spot with no job. Looked everywhere. <laughs> Lots of interviews and no offers, or just lowball offers. We pray for in those moments. God, do I need a new career? Do I do I need to move? Do I need to do, do I file unemployment? Do I just keep going? Do I do another? Maybe you're just confused and grieved over the state of our nation. Decisions being made. Things seem to be spiraling out of control. People have lost their minds. What do you pray for? Revival? Jesus to return? Regime change? Maybe in your own home. Maybe you're feeling stuck in a difficult marriage with a spouse who's unwilling to move, to have a conversation where you, feel, where you just can feel the separation increasing and this has been going on for years. What do you pray for? Get me out of this? Get me into counseling? It's with your kids. You have rebellious teens in your home. They, don't, they won't listen to a thing you have to say. So disrespectful, incredibly selfish to everybody. Boot them out. Discipline them, continue to show grace, not say anything at all, make their bed. Maybe you just feel like you're in, you're in the valley of darkness, aimless, purposeless, nothing, nothing seems to be going right. Who do you pray for? Seek help? Do you just push through? Seek Jesus' return? What's his will in this? I think you get the picture, right? These are real life situations that the Bible is speaking to, that this help and comfort of the Holy Spirit comes to uh, bear upon when we don't know how to pray ourselves forward, when our limited understanding is bumping up against the sovereignty of God that we know and believe, but we don't know how to pray. It's in these moments, church, that the Holy Spirit comes to our help. And this idea of help here, like look at it here, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness isn't just like a nice pat on the back. 
It isn't just like a, a nice encouraging words like go get them, tiger. This is a help that is to, to come alongside and to help bear up under a heavy load. Like picture yourself in your, in your living room and you're trying to move this heavy furniture, these big sectionals or bookcases and things, and you are weak and you have no way to move it from here to there, let alone out the skinny door when the door's like this and you know it's like this big. Who is it that you call for help in those moments? Somebody who can bear the burden, right? Somebody like Hunter, you know, who's big and muscular, who's going to just you know, pick it up and bear the heavy end. And it's to this type of help that the Holy Spirit comes alongside. He is the ultimate prayer warrior, helping us in this weakness and interceding for us with these groans. See, here's the first way that the Spirit prays for us. He prays sympathetically. It says he intercedes for us. To intercede literally means to to plead one's case. He is an advocate or a counselor. It's similar to uh, how in like the foster care system with the courts, court appointed special advocate. Somebody who comes alongside, who knows the needs of the child and advocates for them, intercedes on their behalf between the social worker and the judge and all those involved. In the same way, but even greater, it is the Holy Spirit who is interceding with, uh, for us with these groans to deep for words. And so who's the one groaning in this passage? Is it creation? Is it us? It's who? The Holy Spirit. See, he is groaning sympathetically with us. Coming alongside, not from a place of weakness, for he knows, but with an insider understanding of our finiteness. It's the Holy Spirit who knows here. He's actually groaning from great strength, right? See, uh, James Boyce, a pastor from long ago, commenting on this, he says, A groan is appropriate for burden bearing. For in the, like in the situation, if you're lifting up a heavy couch and you're picking it up, what's normally, what normally comes out of your mouth as you're squatting down to pick it up? Yeah, uh, right. A groan, a grunt, even one of sympathy. Even if the other guy's super strong, he might just do it just to kind of sympathize with you. The well, person that you don't want is like the, the, you know, the super chatty person who's talking about the weather and the nation and all the things and commenting on everything. Like, hey, wait, this isn't the time to chat. This is the time just to like pick it up and to move. It's in these moments where the Spirit is praying sympathetically for us with words or uh, too deep for words, or if you have the NASB, it might say unutterable. And it is not because the Holy Spirit doesn't know how to articulate words, but he doesn't have to because he's God. And he, it, he already knows our hearts. He already knows our desires. He already knows what the will of God is, as we'll come back to. And so he doesn't have to verbalize. A sympathetic groan in prayer will suffice. The same way, maybe in your life, I've experienced this many times as you've uh, received bad news from somebody else. They're sharing something. Maybe they've called you to tell you or in small group, they are, uh, they're sharing a, a difficult burden. There's just no words that come to uh, your lips. All you can do is just offer up. Oh. It's there that the Spirit is helping us, sympathizing with us in the moments where we don't know how to pray, the Spirit indwelling in us is advocating and helping and groaning in this way as well. Now, I think it's probably helpful for us at this point, too, to just uh, to ask the question, well, how does the Holy Spirit help us? Lots of uncertainty out there. If you read blogs or online or on social media, there's all kind of mixed messaging about the work of the Holy Spirit. 
How is it that he helps us? Well, uh, beyond just our own opinions or beyond anything, let's just look at the scripture. It's here on the screen. You can take a picture of it or you can write this down. But here's four ways revealed in the scripture that the spirit helps us in this way, helps us bear burdens, how he comes to our rescue in our moments of weakness where we don't know what to do or we don't know what to pray. And back in John, we looked at this passage a couple weeks ago, so it's probably familiar to you. But let me just kind of run through these here. The Holy Spirit, he teaches us all things. John 14, just listen to this as I read it. John 14, beginning in verse 25, he says, These things I've spoken to you while I am with you. But the helper, this is Jesus speaking, by the way, the, the helper, there's that word again, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so what does this look like? Well, in our life, the Spirit helps us when we find ourselves in these moments and we've been reading the Word of God. We know the truths about Christ. And as we're there and the, the Scripture that we've been reading and, and chewing on and meditating and internalizing there, well, the Spirit brings those verses back to our mind for our comfort, for our help, for our warning, for our conviction. Same way He uses us to help one another. Like the same scenario, like you're in a small group and somebody's talking about a situation they're going through and they're sharing real life things and something that you just read in the scripture or something that somebody told you from the scripture a long time ago comes to your mind from the help of the Holy Spirit and he's teaching you, bringing to your remembrance the word of God, the truths about God, and he is teaching you to, uh, uh, to, to bring these words of Jesus to your mind. It's the work of the Spirit. We're calling our mind, to our minds the things of God. He guides us in all truth. A few chapters later, John 16, verse 13, says this, But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but ever, whatever He hears, He will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. So what does the Spirit do? He guides us into the truth, into the things that we should do now, into the things that are coming in the future. He is leading us in this way and will not deviate it. See, he's not just like a, some rogue spirit that's doing whatever he wants. We'll come back to this uh, point more fully in, in just a minute here. But in perfect harmony, in conjunction, in consensus with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he is guiding us in the truth. Nowhere else. It goes on, verse 14. Here's the second thing he does. He shines the light on Jesus. Continuing, this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. He says, he will glorify me. That's Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See, the Holy Spirit isn't uh, making much of himself, but his whole thing is to glorify Christ, to draw our attention to the beauty of, of Jesus, to the person and work, what he did on the cross, his example that he uh, lived in this life. And so as we find ourselves in, our, in these situations where we're trying to make a decision, God, what is it that I'm to do? The work of the Spirit just blasts the spotlight onto Christ to say, follow his ways. Follow his word. See what he has done. Look what he has won for you. Look what he uh, says about you. Shines the light. He glorifies the person and work of Jesus Christ in our eyes. Fourth, and it's from our verses today, he prays on our behalf. This is how the Holy Spirit helps us. This is how he helps us bear these burdens by praying for us and teaching and guiding and shining the light on Jesus Christ. So church, when you find yourself in those moments that I just uh, referred to a moment ago, or whatever the circumstance is in your life, 
Maybe you identified with them. Maybe you have something completely different going on. Here's what we do. We don't quit. We don't lose heart. We keep praying. We pray without ceasing. We are persistent in it. Even when we don't have the words to say, we come back to the scripture. We recite it back to God. See, remember that uh, how we define prayer around here? Prayer is just calling on God to come through on his promises. It's just saying, God, come through on your word. You said this. You are this. You are good and loving. Now come through. God, we need you. And so we keep praying because we don't know everything. A prayer is in an ongoing way as we continually come back to the Lord and come back to praying. It is our consistent acknowledgement of our finiteness, of our limits, of our frailty, of our dependence on God. And so we keep praying, we keep groaning, we keep waiting. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is praying sympathetically. He is groaning sympathetically with us. And remember, He has the heavy end of the couch. He is carrying this. And so we pray ourselves forward. What else do we do? Knowing that the Spirit is praying sympathetically and specifically for us. Here's the second point. We keep living faithfully because the Spirit is working it all out. We continue to live faithfully because the Holy Spirit is working it all out. And this is what verse 27 leads us to. See, how else does he intercede for us? Well, we've just said it. We saw it as the main point. He's praying specifically uh, for the saints, those who are saved, those who are his children, the holy ones, set apart ones. He prays for us according to the will of God. Now note this, the Holy Spirit always and only prays uh, for God's will to be done in our conformity to Christ through it all, nothing else. He's not praying for us to feel good about ourselves. He's not praying that we would have a nice, easy, safe life. He's not praying for us to be comfortable. But he's praying that God's will and his purposes would be worked out in and through us. And so look at, look at verse 27 here. Let's just, again, take it a, a, a phrase at a time. It says, he who searches heart. Church, who searches our hearts? It's a super easy answer, right? Who searches our hearts? God does. God does. He knows our intentions. He knows our desires. He knows our secret thoughts. He knows the real reasons why you did that. Why you served it, why you do it. He knows what's going on. He searches our hearts and minds. He knows it all. But here's the thing. He searches our hearts, and he knows what is the mind of the Spirit. See, notice God knows his own mind. He knows his own mind. Father, Son, Holy Spirit have the same mind. They have the same will. They're in consensus, in complete harmony, in complete unity. It isn't a competition between the three to figure out who's going to get the glory or who's going to, whose plan or purposes is going to come through. No, they are working in complete conjunction together for these gospel aims and nothing else. The Trinity doesn't work like, you know, uh, sometimes in our marriages work where the husband uh, makes the plans and does the things without first consulting his wife. None of y'all husbands do that, right? But no, in perfect harmony, complete unity. So when the Spirit is praying for the saints here, he's doing so, he's praying towards that our will, our desires, our mind would be aligned with God's will with God's desires, with God's mind, with God's purposes for this. So that just brings us to the question, then, well, what, what, what is God's will? 
That's the question, right? If this is how he's praying specifically, and as we find ourselves in those moments, that's the million-dollar question. What is God's will? Well, our Bible, you know, maybe categorizes it in two different ways. Theologians uh, would recognize this as two, two separate things. God's revealed will that which he has told us to do, that which is very explicit and laid out very specifically in Scripture. And then there's God's hidden will, or some might call it a secret will, or his decreed will, those things that are unfolding. But we know very clearly, and we've said this often in different passages of Scripture, and you've heard me say it from here, you've seen this on the, uh, on the screen before here, but God's revealed will is very simple. Just go into your Bible app and you'll find all these verses and all these sections here. If you just type in will of God in quotes, these verses will come up. It's very simple. It's not as, uh, as complex as we make it. It's God's will that we're saved. Second Peter says it's the will of the Lord, his desire. He desires no one to perish, but that all would repent and come to faith in Christ Jesus. If you here this morning are not sure of that, you're hearing these gospel truths. If you are on the fence this morning, but the spirit is at work in you, he desires that you would be saved. Today would be the day of your salvation that right now, You would repent of your sin. You would confess it to the Lord. And you would confess that Christ is your Savior and your Lord. You can do that right now. It's his will for your life. It's his will. He wants nothing more than for you to be saved and to be in relationship with him. Without this, none of what we're talking about uh, matters. Even the worst thing, the worst circumstance in your life right now, and the solution and getting out of it is way uh, less means far less than getting this eternal problem figured out, and that's being right with the Lord. He wants you to be saved today. Rapper would say, what's his, okay, now they're saved. Yes, I, uh, I'm walking with the Lord. What does he want for us? He wants us to be sanctified. First Thessalonians 4, this is God's will, your sanctification. And that's played out in three different ways, that we'd be sexually pure, self-controlled, and honest in all things. We'll say later in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we're to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for us. And that's, this is his will to be rejoicing and praying and giving thanks. It's his will, he tells the Ephesian church, to be filled with the Spirit, to be motivated and moved by and led by the Holy Spirit, and not filled with wine, to not be inebriated and drunk, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Through Peter, he tells us in 1 Peter 2 to be submissive to the governing authorities. This is his will. And later in 1 Peter 4, and sometimes these two are, 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 are connected, but we're to be willing to suffer. Not walking through life, not making decisions, well, what's going to be the most comfortable, what's going to be the most easy, what's going to give me the most time for rest and recreation. And no, it's a willingness even to suffer. This is just God's revealed will. This is what he's, he's told us to do. This is just like as simple as the air we breathe in following Christ and, and, and all the commands and the things of Scripture that he wants us to do. But this is God's revealed will. But like I said, this is different than his hidden will. We, we could define his hidden will like this, the sovereign plan of God. Look at this, it's on the screen. The sovereign plan of God that he has decreed and is unfolding exactly as he designed. And this is really what we're, uh, what we're getting at in those situations. Okay, well, God, what have you decreed? What have you designed? What is your will in this situation? What is his will for your life right now? 
that you would be here in this place right now worshiping God with these people. This is a part of his will that he is unfolding now for your life. And all the providential things in the world, all the, the, the minuscule things, he is working together towards these gospel ends. And even as we call this a hidden will, it doesn't mean that God is like hiding it from us. It's just that it's being revealed to us as time goes on. And as we continue living faithfully according to his revealed will, these things become much more clear to us as we get on with following the Lord. It's a really helpful book. Uh, there's a few out there at the book giveaway table out there by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. And just listen to this quote here, because I love this kind of summary uh, passage here from that book. He says, The will of God for our lives is that we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. The most important decision we face is the daily decision to live for Christ and to die for self, to self. If we do those two things, then we are free to choose between jobs and schools and locations. God wants us to stop obsessing about the future and trust that He holds the future. We should put aside the passivity and the perfectionism and the quest for perfect fulfillment and get on with our lives, end quote. So what's significant about this? Why do I elaborate on this? Significance as it comes to these verses here is that the Holy Spirit is always and only praying towards these ends. For he is working all things out in conjunction with the Father and the Son of his will for us. And so he's praying that you would be living faithfully according to what is revealed in his scriptures. That you would be living. He's praying for you to live this way. Nothing contrary to that. He's praying then that you would also be responding faithfully. As his, his hidden will, as the events of your life are unfolding, that you will continue to live faithfully as you respond to it. He's not going to pray or work contrary to that. And so his prayers and his work in us is to align our will, our work accordingly. And church, isn't that a comfort? He's not going to deviate from these things. That he is working this stuff out in our life. And so what do we know about him? We know that he's good. We know that he does good. So even if he ordains a difficult thing in your life, if he ordains suffering, then it must be for our good, even if we can't see it in the moment. We know that he is always present. He is always near. So if he's leading you to stay and to endure through the difficulty, or he's leading you to leave and to move on to something, then you know you're not alone no matter what. You know that God is kind and generous in all that he does. So even if you are in a season of blessing and abundance, an abundance of time or talent or treasure, then you know that it's to be a gospel blessing for the advancement of the gospel to others. So we may not always know what outcomes to pray for or what outcomes to work towards or to live towards, but here's the thing. The Spirit does. And he lives in us. And he is praying sympathetically with us in the moments when we can't understand or when we don't know what to do. And he is praying specifically for us so that things are providentially working out towards that end. 
The thing is, as we grow and as we uh, learn and as we uh, obey more, our, our heart and our mind are aligned to the things of God just like a piano player grows in proficiency and grows in its, his or her ability and skill to play according to the rhythm and the music that he or she has learned. So what are we going to do this morning? These are truths that we love. These are the types of moments where God loves to come through. They're prayers that he delights to answer. So we're going to take some reps this morning. We're going to spend some time as we close our service singing and praying together. Maybe you have a, a, a situation in your own life just like this where you don't know what to pray for. You don't know what the will of God is. And so we just want to, uh, to put this into practice right now. Not just to say, hey, these are nice things and let's head on to lunch. We're going to I'll lead from the stage. We'll have some prompts on the screen. And if you're new with us, this may be a, a, a little awkward or unusual to you. But trust me, it's going to be okay. Even if your prayers are just some groans, even if they are inarticulate, they're amongst brothers and sisters. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to pray to prepare our hearts in just a moment. The worship team will come up here. We're going to sing a part of a song, and then uh, you'll see a prompt on the screen. I'll lead us in there, and you add your voice. You can pray uh, as, uh, as you are prompted to pray in that way. There will be some uh, time to pray with the people that you've come with uh, as well. Or if you need to just ask somebody to pray uh, with uh, who's sitting next to you, we'll pray in that way. We'll have some moments. We'll sing. We'll pray. We'll sing some more. And, uh, and then we'll end our service. And so uh, to that end, let me just pray to prepare our hearts. God in heaven, here we are. Here we are before you just acknowledging your sovereignty, your control over all things, and acknowledging that we are not in control, that we are not omniscient, that we're not uh, all-powerful. And that's why, we, that's why we thank you this morning, Lord. And even in these moments where we can't see you, where we don't know, we know that you are working, that you are sympathizing with us, that you are working all things out in our So, Lord, even as we uh, prepare to sing and to pray, you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know what's going on. And so we're just here asking you, God, to come through, to help us as you've said you would. That even as we sing and as we pray, that, Spirit, you would shine the light on Christ, that you would guide us in the truth, that you would recall to mind the truthfulness of your scriptures. And so do that now. Let us see you. Let us trust you. Even if right now, it's so hard, or so unclear. Pray these things now in Christ's name.